And thank you also to Bob Ryder, who uh, has pulled an animal story out of his past and is going to share it with us tonight. Um, we, had a, we had six storytellers, and Chris Kaufman got sick um, and had to, had to decline being here tonight. So um, Bob's going to join us, and I, I don't know what he's going to tell us, but I'm sure it'll be wonderful. Please join me in welcoming Bob Ryder. That's the coolest introduction ever, man. Watch Bob pull an animal story out of his past. <laughs> this story kind of happened to me, and, and uh, I didn't realize it was a story until later. I'll just work my way through it. Bear with me. Oh, I, I guess I should say everybody's talked about what animal they would want to be. I think I'd, I'd probably want to be one of Heidi's cats. But I'd probably still have to be neutered though, right? Even though we're friends. <laughs> Think about an alternative to that. Susan and I have uh, a Labradaughter named Daisy. She's nine years old just this past uh, February 11th. And she came into our lives um, accidentally. She was, I met her when she was a puppy. She was three months old. She belonged to a client. I'm a professional dog trainer, as well as being the pastor of a church, co-pastor with Susan. And she came into our lives when uh, I was working for um, this family with a brand new, super energetic puppy that was, you know, way more than they bargained for. She never got tired. She was, you know, very social and needed lots of attention and energy. And uh, the family who adopted her found themselves with some uh, extenuating circumstances that were also more than they bargained for. Um, the, the mom of the couple uh, fractured her leg in a bicycling accident, and one of their kids was um, came up with some uh, learning needs that were taking more time than they bargained for. And so Daisy, the puppy, ended up spending lots of time in this small kennel and not getting enough exercise or attention. They hired me to come over and help and see, you know, see if I could find some ways to give her exercise and help her have better manners. And several weeks or, or sessions into the training, the mom of the couple um, was discouraged and didn't feel like it was going well. And mostly, to, to be encouraging, I said, listen, you know, if this is such a great dog. She has a ton of potential. If you ever thought you couldn't keep her, let me know before you give her away. And I, I mostly, I tell myself now I meant that just to be encouraging, but I really wanted this dog. <laughs> And it came to pass that it was just more than they could handle. And uh, for a training session, I showed up at the door. And the mom met me at the door when I rang the bell. And she opened the door in tears. And she said, did you really mean it? When you said you might take Daisy. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> yes. And I talked about it with Susan. And now she's our dog. You always find that, well, always is maybe overbroadening it, but you're never as confident in your abilities. But most of the people I know, most of the people I know that I like are not as confident in their abilities as they deserve to be. Right? And when I was working with Daisy, I think this was before she came into our lives, I, I wasn't that confident in my abilities as a dog trainer yet. I, I was trying everything I could think of to help make it work for this dog and this family. And there was... Uh, I took Daisy to a park nearby. There's 
people playing softball and kids riding bikes and lots going on. And I was working with Daisy on teaching her to come when called. And uh, so there's this easy game that you play. You know, you start just having her, you know, two feet away and you're holding a little piece of a meatball or something. So of course she's going to come and you back up a little bit and she, tell her to come and she does and you give her the reward. And then if she can do it from two feet away, you do it from five feet away and then seven feet away and she's always on a leash in case something goes wrong. So we're in this busy uh, park and we're playing this recall game, coming when called is recall. And uh, there's the fence yards over here and some shrubs and kids playing and softball going on and stuff. And a rabbit dashes out of the shrubs right, you know, three feet, as close as you and I are together, a rabbit gets spooked by Daisy, takes off, and Daisy's zooming away, you know, faster than, and there was no rope, so I couldn't step on it and catch her like Susan did the cat. And I just, I kind of, you know, just thought, well, see what happens. And then I gave her the signal, Daisy, come to me. Stopped on a dime, let the rabbit go, and came right back to me. And it was perfect because everybody around who was in the park saw this. And they looked and they clapped. <laughs> Thank you. Here's my card, right? I do this right. So fast forward. My, this, this other, this fantasy I have for this other thing that I'll do in my life when I grow up is I, I uh, study percussion music. I have several different kinds of drums. I have some conga drums and cajones and other things. And I'm nowhere near as confident in my abilities as I hope to one day be. I can play a little bit with records and stuff, but way too shy to do it in front of an audience. So, it, but part of the way I pursue this, uh, learning how to play, is I listen to this podcast series uh, with conversations with percussionists and drummers, there's a host who finds all these you know, world-famous percussionists and talk to them, and, and I'm, I'm often stunned by how humble they are about their abilities. They'll play clips of you know, people playing with Genesis or playing with the police and so forth. I'm like, these people are like mind-blowingly good, and they talk about it like, well, I'm still learning and trying to work stuff out. It's just amazing to me that people with these stellar abilities can, can be so humble about their skills. Martin O'Neill is one of the percussionists that I listened to in an interview. I, I don't think it's likely you would have heard of him, but um, he plays an Irish frame drum called a bowron. And it, it doesn't, doesn't matter what that is. He's that good at it, though, that Stevie Wonder heard him play and asked him to tour with his band in Europe. And he was kind of blown away by, by this invitation, and he did. And uh, he had this experience where, for one of the nights that he was playing with the band, Prince and Sheila E. were part of the night. They came out on stage and played with Stevie a little bit. And then after the show, they asked him to come back into the green room or whatever it is and, and show him how the Bowron works. And he played for them, and they were sort of amazed and blow, blown away. And in the interview, he's talking about, this was like the most unbelievable thing you know, that ever happened to me. As I'm walking, listening to this podcast, and thinking to myself, well, you know, these amazing, world-famous percussionists and so forth are humble about their abilities. And you know, I'll, I'll never get to the level where 
I'll be able to, to perform music like that. And I was feeling a little, I don't know, sorry for myself or something. And I was like, why, you know, when will I get to the point where, you know, I've got some skill that I feel confident about or feel, you know, like is, is worthy of, you know, showing to people. The, the area where I walk with Daisy while I'm listening to this podcast, there's a, a part of Constitution Trail that's framed on both sides. There's yards uh, to the right with fences and houses and same thing on the left. And at least every other house, if not more, has aggressive dogs. <laughs> it's this gauntlet of, you know, you walk through, if all you have to do is crunch a leaf or, you know, shuffle your shoe or, you know, you're getting stereo grouchy dogs barking. And um, so I'm listening to this podcast about humble drummers and their amazing abilities. And, you know, I've trained with Daisy a lot. And it didn't even occur to me as we're walking through this gauntlet, you know, dogs are barking at us from both sides. I've trained Daisy that when she hears another dog, just like with squirrels or ducks or geese, if she hears barking dogs, the thing to do is look at me, move over into position and wait for a treat. And it occurred to me as I'm, you know, listening to, you know, musicians that I'll never be as good as and, you know, wondering, you know, what, what talent I have in this world that I can, you know, feel okay about. Here's, you know, here's my song, you know, right next to me on the end of this loose leash, listening to dogs going crazy on both sides, moving into position, looking at me, waiting for a treat. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is my song. So I'm waiting for Stevie Wonder to call. <laughs> and I'll bring Daisy out on stage, and I'll have her chase a rabbit and come back to me. And that's it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>